Hello and welcome to Stories from the Christmas Drawer. This is Season 2, Episode 17, Gingerbread Castles in the Desert. Recorded December 21st, 2019. I got a little bit of a short list this week. Um, not too much really happened since the last episode. Anything really big to talk about. Uh, you know, that was a Wednesday and a half ago. A week and a half ago, pretty much. Um, so, you know, not too much to talk about. But I have had a few other things that are happening that will make this episode a little... A little interesting. So, first things first, I saw, I finally watched, after getting Disney+, Plus, uh, Captain Marvel and Avengers Endgame. So I'm going to give a quick little rundown of my opinion of um, the Captain Marvel movie. Now, when this movie came out in theaters, and there was the social justice warrior bullshit involving it, as well as the anti-SJW thing going on, and there was stuff that I heard that I'm like, I can't be a judge of this until I actually see it. There was that deleted scene they showed off, which when I'm looking, when I actually see the movie and I see that deleted scene where she like toughed the biker up and stole the bike versus how in the movie she just steals the bike. It's like, yeah, that scene didn't make sense. So it's good. They cut it. And she just took the bike way, way better because it fits the character more. That being said, like I, Brie Larson was good in that movie. I I don't know where I stand. Like, I don't agree with the critics of her saying, oh, she's not good. She's not good. Like, I thought that movie was good. Just my opinion. I thought it was a good movie. And I thought Avengers Endgame was pretty good, too. Um, so, my if anything, my criticism of Avengers Endgame is, is that they didn't use Captain Marvel enough now, hopefully, in the Marvel Universe, they explain why. I mean, they kind of did, like, it's how she's dealing with galaxies all over the place and thousands of worlds that are suffering from Thanos' snap, but it's like, can we get more than just an explanation that you you didn't really want your most powerful Avenger, well, there, although they can argue that Scarlet Witch is more powerful than her. There's the arguments of that. We'll see what happens in the future if they go that way. But yeah, I, I thought Brie Larson's acting in... <laughs> Captain Marvel was good. This is another proof of um, this is another proof, I guess, of the fact of don't listen to what actors and actresses say. Offset, like we we pay them to watch them play roles. That's their talent. We don't pay to watch them be themselves. But this is also that's not a criticism of Brie Larson, her personality, or anything like that. I'm just saying she's good as an actor. And earlier this year when I watched. Skull Island, Kong Skull Island. I thought, ah, she's a good actress. This is this is good. I don't know where to go with that. And now after seeing her in both those movies, I'm like, yeah, okay. I guess the interviews and stuff like that that I didn't really pay attention to because that's legacy media and sort of all dying out. It's like, I don't have a problem with her. In the movie, she's good. The character is written in a way that makes her seem snarky, but... It's only for, like, the first part, and again, it's only for the <coughs> first few scenes she appears in uh, Endgame as well. And I thought Endgame was very well done. Um, kind of sad in the end. Again, as, you know, no spoilers, but this ending's a little sad that we get that. But, of course, that's happened, and everyone now knows all that. At least almost everyone all knows. There's probably some people who don't. We haven't watched that movie or didn't read the uh, Wikipedia page or TV tropes or all that. I need to go through and read the TV trips for both those movies because I didn't. I just thought, like, yeah, you know, I got Disney Plus this morning. I'm like, I'll try this out. I'll see what these two movies are. 
Oh, and another thing with Disney Plus, a um, TV show for my past is on there. The uh, the Mighty Ducks cartoon. It's like, do they have all of the episodes? I suspect they do. Oh, it's like, oh man, that takes me back. I hope they have the movie too on that set. So that's that's cool. That's cool. Um, let's see, yeah, Marvel, Captain Marvel, the movie, yeah, pretty good. I will say, as CG is getting better. There is a point where like, <clears throat> the Uncanny Valley starting to appear more. Like There were scenes where she was flying in space where they were using the CG as her suit, and it's like, ah. Uh, there's like, ah, uh, it's just, it's just, like, if this was a video game with no live elements in it, that would be perfect. It would work, but it's just, it's not there yet. And this is nitpicky things. Like, you know, it's barely there. They're <laughs> getting close. I did like how they did all the, um, all the time traveling features in Avengers Endgame, although it also defeats the time paradoxes by <laughs> what happens in that movie. Oh, it was it was cool that they thought about. Oh, we have we have to retcon all the uh, all the movies that came after, like Doctor Strange and all these characters who we now know about. They have to appear in these specific events that are going on, so we have to have them come back and show where they are and what's going to happen. Cool. It was it was really cool. I thought that was well thought out by the Russo brothers. Now we'll see where um, this show goes. I have to watch Thor: Dark World, which is apparently the worst of the Thor movies, but I'll be the judge of that. But then again, Thor: Ragnarok was great. Um, I haven't seen either of the Spider-Man movies yet. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I guess like you know, I burned out on Spider-Man with the Tobey Maguire series. It's just been like, okay, I know it's part of this universe, and I know that Fox is now owned by Disney, so the X-Men can be brought in as could Deadpool and all this other property bullshit. And it's like, okay, but I am getting tired of Marvel. It's like, you know, you get a day off, and you got time, and you can watch like one or two of them when you got nothing else to do. And that's kind of how I've been consuming the Marvel universe. It's like, if it's good, maybe I'll buy the DVD. Like, Thor Ragnarok, I bought the DVD for, just because I heard it was so damn good. Blu-ray. <laughs> but I honestly don't feel that way about Avengers um, Endgame uh, or Avengers Infinity War. Like, I, I Maybe. Maybe they'll release, like, a big box set of up to Phase 3, like, everything from Phase 3 back, and it's like, hopefully they do with all these special features and stuff. That's what I love, and I love, um, like, I, I just love it. Although I still say that Ragnarok is my favorite um, Avengers movie, followed up by Winter Soldier, just because Ragnarok was a fun movie. Winter Soldier was a very, um, of the time talk about the surveillance state and the power the state has, and it's almost an anarchist libertarian movie like no we have to trust people to do it themselves we can't point a gun at everybody and hope that works and it was an interesting role interesting movie and the russo brothers like credit for them for making that movie and thinking about where they were going to go with that so that was that was that it was a bit of my day also watched some football watch the uh bills versus patriots game the la the ha second half of that and then watch the la rams versus the um San Francisco 49ers. We can't forget the Texans versus the Buccaneers, which started of the day at 11 a.m. local time. Texans won 23 to 20, which, ah, that's slipped through. 
Uh, Patriots beat the Bills 24-17. to That was a fun game. And the Rams lost to the 49ers. The 49ers won with 34 points, and the Rams had 31, and it was literally a field goal at the last second, strategically played by San Francisco. So, you know, pretty good, uh, you know, divisionary wins for all these teams and going in. And I guess the Rams won't make the playoff pictures. Uh, we'll have to know. And then tomorrow we have a bunch of more games. Let's see, who do we have tomorrow? We got Steelers versus Jets, Saints versus Titans, Panthers versus Colts, Bengals versus Dolphins, Baltimore versus uh, the Cleveland Browns, Jaguars versus Falcons, uh, Giants versus Redskins, and then that's the morning window, or the early window. Um, the midday window, we've got Broncos versus uh, Lions, Raiders versus Chargers, uh, another California battle there. We have Cardinals versus Seahawks, and uh, and the Cowboys versus the Eagles. So that will be an interesting one, because that, uh, that is a uh, divisionary changer. For that, uh, for those guys, and then tomorrow night we've got the Chiefs versus the Bears. <laughs> Who knows how good the Bears will play? And Monday night we have, um, you know, this is week sixteen, uh, we have the Packers versus the Vikings. And then week seventeen, next Sunday, um, which everybody plays in next Sunday, the 29th. Crazy. Um, who's the afternoon games? It's just. It's just nothing but afternoon games. No night games then. Yeah, geez, that's a, that's a crazy schedule. And then we're on to the wild card round in uh, in January, followed by the divisional rounds and the conference championships mid-January. And then February 2nd, we have the Super Bowl. Who knows how that's going to be? I can't really talk too much more about that, but I still think... Baltimore has the best shot at the Super Bowl. Yeah, just from their division. I don't know who the... I don't know what else is going to happen, but I'd say Baltimore or the Ravens have got the best chance. But we'll see. We'll see. Like, playoff rounds seem to change teams. Like, some teams just play better in the playoffs than others. Some teams go into the playoffs hot and just, like, don't compete at that level. Or... They get all the way to the Super Bowl, and they don't compete at the level of the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, what happened to Jared Goff and the LA Rams last year against the Patriots? I don't think uh, Goff and you know Sean McVay, they were going into this, and they're like, oh, we're going to win this. And I think they just got star-studded and shocked, and they're like, we made it this far and couldn't believe it. And then just the Patriots were just a better team in that fight. Yeah, so... You know, that's all I can really say for football. It was it's fun to watch. My Christmas is almost here. You know, we're five day, four days from Christmas, pretty much. So it's been very, very, very business busy time. <laughs> then uh, yeah, well, it's uh, start playing the Outer Worlds by Obsidian on the Xbox One. That is a fun game. That is a very fun game. A very good spiritual successor to the Fallout series that Obsidian's putting on. Why why Bethesda? Why can you not make a good Fallout game when these guys have? Like, single-player games obviously are still a big thing. It's still worth throwing money at single-player games. So, great for Obsidian. I, I absolutely... Like, the game is just insanely fun. And I'll say this. As somebody who isn't a big fan of the Fallout series, 
like I played Fallout New Vegas, and I always felt like like it was definitely geared towards more Fallout Three players who had experience with the series and sort of knew the functions. Like I came in, it's like I I don't know, like okay, I'll play it. And there were some fighting aspects. I'm like I I'm not that good at this. Outer Worlds definitely feels a considerable level better, more polished. Now, granted, that might, that's also Obsidian probably having the time to launch it on their schedule versus Bethesda's forced schedule that they needed for Fallout New Vegas. Um, so there can be that. There are always this politics in development that sometimes is hidden, sometimes isn't. But as I'm playing it, it just feels so much smoother. That's all. That could also be the time difference. They know how to make the game better. And um, what else could I say about that? Just... Jeez, uh, it feels way more. Um, I, I don't know. It just feels smoother. Feels more forgiving. I would say, just more forgiving and like the punishments of death in the game, which I've had a few because I ran areas I definitely wasn't prepared for. But then once I started getting better and prepared and understanding how that game felt, it didn't like. I wasn't as scared of death, but I was definitely more strategic about my actions going in. It just, it, it, not only does the game feel more forgiving, it feels more welcoming. That's the word. It feels more welcoming to players. It's like, you guys probably, some of you may have never played our old game, like Fallout New Vegas and some of our older games. So here is a game that gives you a chance to experience like what we know and what we want. We want this game to be fun. We want it to be a story game. And I, I do like the difficulty levels that they use. I'm just playing on normal right now and it's, it's, it feels so inviting, and <laughs> it just doesn't feel like a bad game. It feels like an insanely fun game. Now, I'm only just outside of the first world and at the uh, big space uh, station. Um, I can't remember what it's called. Um, got my third crew member. Um, so, you know, getting better at it, <laughs> running around doing stuff, trying to be the nice guy. It is a very, um, very good take on corporatism. Versus, uh, you know, fr freedom and how corporatism can enslave populations. The political commentary of the game is very good. I will def I, I like I. I defer from Jim Sterling because he's he's all thinking this is late stage capitalism. And I'm like, as I play the game, I'm like, no, this is corporatism. This is corporations ruling, like being so powerful they are the government. Government and that only happens when, unfortunately when a a ruling authority gives them the chance to be that way. Now, maybe in that universe, the way in the future when we're traveling through the stars, maybe that is the reality where companies are the only things powerful enough to create nations and states, but you would then think that at some point, and you do come across these people in the game, that they would separate from these colonies and actually be able to create self-standing societies that don't require the corporate over overseeing and you find out that all the companies that are running are held together by this board which is a very interesting thing so there's there's that it definitely has a lot of good political commentary in the game and i won't fault it for the position it takes i would just say that um there are there are parts of capitalism I absolutely support, and there are parts of it I don't support. And the idea that unregulated capitalism will create that—it's like no, that sort of capitalism is picked by the winner, not by the ones who are currently fighting it. But well, we'll see. 
my argument isn't completely correct on that, and there's a way how it can be argued that that is that will be that will be glo- like galactic capitalism or not. We're not there yet, so I don't know. I would have to uh, I would have to see that to see if it's true or not. But <laughs> that's that's just that's just me. I don't know if I'll see it in my lifetime. If the Outer World suddenly is an interesting game, it's it's crazy how like just just it's it's cool. The environments are cool. The ideas are cool. It does seem to be like the stereotypical, um, not stereotypical, but like their take of the universe where everything's this advanced, but it's slightly broken. Like nothing's working perfectly. It just it's it's funny little things like that. And uh, yeah, yeah, it just feels good. And yesterday, yesterday, Friday. Um, changing topics a little bit here to entertainment in the movie theaters. Star Wars came out as did Cats. Now, why the hell would Universal put Cats out on the same weekend as Star Wars? Why? Why would they do that? Like, Star Wars, even if it's a bad Star Wars movie, and I don't know, I've so I, I've watched a bit of Angry Joe's review, because I ha- but I haven't seen it yet. It did gross a ridiculous amount of money for opening weekend so far. I can't fault it. Like, I read the Wikipedia plot of it, and it just, to me, it's like, uh, uh, no. No, it doesn't feel, and of course, I didn't read that till after Angry Joe's um, review of it, which, if you're a fan of Angry Joe, you probably have watched it. I, I don't know if I want to see this film right away or not. Now, I do want to see the ending. I, <laughs> like, Reason's um, <coughs> review of it seems like, just no, um, what's what's the word that would be ascribed? Uh, the reason, guys, is like, it was too much of a, for the fans, and they're not saying it like, it was too much of an homage to the original Star Wars that it didn't really think of going anywhere. And the question is, do you blame, like, I don't know if, I don't think I can blame J.J. Abrams for that. I think now that this saga is over, we'll look back on the last three movies, seven, eight, nine, and we'll wonder... Was it because these directors who were directing it, the the good ones were supposed to be like Colin Trevorrow, who was supposed to direct this movie and then got fired because Kathleen Kennedy didn't like the direction he was going in and he didn't like the scripts that she was providing him. So it becomes this question of, was it Lucasfilm under Kathleen Kennedy not directing at all? Basically spending her time freaking around doing all these little side things that she wanted to work on, like, you know, the Force is Feminine and stuff like that. And those are snapshots. Those aren't, those probably are nowhere near indicative of what she was actually doing. They're just snapshots that we, the public, have seen inside of LucasArts. Now, could that be an indication of what's going on in there or not? I don't know. But the fact that um, The Last Jedi was such a downer movie, and Mark Hamill, George Lucas, and all of the Star Wars creative creators and original cast members are like this doesn't fit with star wars this movie the characters you've p- portrayed them map do not fit with the canon of star wars and we're, you added a bunch of side characters in that just really didn't do anything good and there was almost no proper progression of the main characters so it's like you know ray is now is is super is just too beyond like too overpowered poe gets gets neutered in uh in episode eight and and Finn runs around with this character who 
seems cool and they learn about again like they learn about how the uni- how the Star Wars ga- galaxy has these corporates types who are funding the war from both sides like the, the winner is that with Benicio del Toro's character and we don't see anything from that like that character was awesome and i really hope that there's like i no i haven't watched the mandalorian tv show yet shocking even though i just got disney plus today so I'm sort of ramping up to maybe watch that over the, the start of the new year. But it just seems like there's opportunities missed there. And, you know, I, you know, Ryan Johnson, Ryan Johnson, he made Looper, the movie Looper, and I liked Looper. I watch episode eight, and it's like, this isn't Star Wars. This is something else. This is somebody who had the love with Star Wars, who tried to make his own movie, about Star Wars and failed every single wet time. Like, you know, made really bad fan fiction about it and refused to get course corrected. Or whoever was telling them, like, said, we need these specific points in the movie. I don't care how you get to them, but they have to be there. So that does make you wonder, was his directing influenced by an, another force? And I don't know. I don't know. Until I see it, I can't make my own decision on it. I don't know if it's bad or good. I haven't heard anything from like my friends who went to saw- see it yesterday. I haven't heard, yes, it's good, or no, it's bad. So, as far as I'm concerned, if you're listening to this and you're tra- tepid about going, but you're a Star Wars character, Star Wars fan, it's like, you know, if you have somebody you know who goes and you trust their judgment when it comes to movies and they say go, eh, go for it. I know it's like 14, 15 bucks. But it's it's just it's an odd era. I I honestly would rather save my money and wait for June for, um, you know, Top Gun Maverick. Although 1917 is coming out soon, and apparently that's supposed to be amazing. So maybe save your money for 1917. Uh, Richard Jewell's out, and I'm gonna go see that. And what's the other? Uh, like, there's a few other movies out right now that are worth seeing. Like Richard Jewell's. One of them, which I do want to see. Um, let's go. <clears throat> but, you know, I just, I don't know. Uh, and uh, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Like, I also want to see that, too. That seems just like a cool movie. Why is there always, like, a stupid horror Christmas movie made? Why? Why? I don't. I don't get that. I, why why must there always be a horror movie around Christmas time? It's just it, it doesn't seem like a good idea to me. When I'm talking to the movie industry, maybe it's profitable. But like I, you know, as somebody who, let's put it this way, I don't mind playing certain horror games like Resident Evil and Dead Space. I hate horror movies. I just can't stand them. So. <clears throat> I don't know. <coughs> I honestly don't know where I think on this path. But, you know, until I see Star Wars Episode Nine, I don't know if it will be a good movie or a bad movie. I can only se- speculate based on what I've heard. From Angry Joe, who I've generally agreed with in his movie reviews, it doesn't seem like... It doesn't seem like, oh man, this is a great movie to go... Seems like his criticisms are much like the ones I've had for the last two Star Wars movies. Like, Seven was hopeful. 
Seven was like, it felt like it was basically, here's three new characters getting a rehash of literally uh, episode four. And then we were like, this could be great. This could be great. And then you don't get anything from eight. Like, not a proper story connection to eight. It just seems like, oh, this is meh. It's it's so meh done. It's disappointing. So then you get to nine. <laughs> and it looks like they went out of their way to almost wipe almost, like good portions of eight's characters out from what I've heard. It's like... You don't, you don't know. You almost want... I'm almost at the point, and this would be just absolutely shocking, and I know it can't happen right now, but you almost think that Disney, at the end of this, is going to be like, maybe we should fucking restart. Like, wipe 7, 8, and 9. Wipe those movies completely out. Ask for a mulligan. Say, we screwed up. This wasn't how we should have made it. Hire on some better writers. Get some people who can actually make this. And, and and the more I think about it, the more I'm shocked about it. Um, because J.J. Abrams is, as far, like, the few movies I've seen of him, there's two I didn't like of his. Almost all the rest I, I've seen I've liked. Like, the Star Wars series, I mean, not Star Wars, Star Trek. I thought he did good with the Star Trek movies. Now, I wasn't a fan of the Cloverfield movie. And not the other two movies that followed up. I haven't bothered watching those. But Cloverfield just felt like... I kind of like monsters. Like big monster movies. Like Godzilla. You know, that sort of thing. Uh, Pacific Rim. But Cloverfield just was... It was an interesting take that had so much more to give. And it just wasn't done. Until he started creating this Cloverfield universe. Which is now the Cloverfield paradox connecting. And it's just like... I, uh, again, because I haven't watched the other two movies, I couldn't care less about them. But it felt so much like, you know, it felt we're dropped into this big story. We're getting a very tiny snippet, and then we just end it out. It's like, here's the monster attacking. Where did it come from? We're not going to tell you in this movie. Oh, that's great. So if I don't give a shit about watching your next four properties that you decide to put out, I won't know a damn thing about this. Does the monster survive? Well, there's radio hints that it does, but we don't know what happens next. Oh, that's that's even more amazing. So we don't know any more than that. Your your viral marketing, which was amazing for that movie, absolutely. After watching, convinced me that I sh- that that was a telling sign, just like snakes in a plane, that I shouldn't have been seen. That movie shouldn't exist. No, I haven't seen snakes in a plane, so I can't actually <laughs> say that. But snakes in a plane, but. You wonder when these movies get so hyped up, you get to the end of it and it's like, oh, that's that's not great. That's not what I wanted to see, actually. You, you, you promised something completely different. You very selectively picked what you were going to show off, and you did a very, very, very good job at pissing me off at the end of it. And that, that rarely happens to me. There are only a few movies in my entire inventory I've not gone back and watched again. Like, I have... I have Cowboys and Aliens, which I only saw in theaters. Now, I like Daniel Craig, and I like Harrison Ford. I haven't watched that movie. I guess I've, it's just never ticked me to go watch it again. I didn't think it was a bad movie. I just thought it was like a movie that you only really see once. I'll definitely watch it again at some point, but it's kind of sad I haven't gotten around to it. But it just it makes you think like that. And going back to J.J. Abrams, so the Star Trek series, like them... Um, 
I did like uh, Super 8. I had my problems with it, but it was more about how um, when I saw Super 8, it was definitely more noticeable as it was like a pl- like a um, a tribute to Steven Spielberg and some of his alien movies, stuff like that. And I felt like there was um, a few scenes in Super 8 that were just designed to be darker than the movie needed to be. Like, the movie was interesting, and it didn't, like, they could have taken that those scenes out, like, a few little things out of it, and it wouldn't have been a bad movie. But it wasn't a bad movie. It was a good movie. Now, the TV show Alias he produced. That was a good show. He lost his mind making Lost, ironically. Like, I... I, I I watched the first season of Lost. I watched part of the second season of Lost, and then I gave up, and I'm like, I don't know where this guy is going. I don't know what the hell is wrong with this. And apparently, after people have seen the ending, it's like, oh, that's how they want to end it? Like, all these mysteries were just thrown away badly. So, who who knows? I haven't watched that. And very few of his other stuff I've actually bothered to watch, um, just on the grounds of he seems like to be hit or miss sometimes. Now, when he, apparently when he's in his element, he's given like a good command by whatever the studio making it is like, we want this movie. He seems to be able to make it. He can make good action movies. But when he seems to be either given too much leeway or he has nobody telling him what to do or he's got too many, it's like, again, like maybe, maybe Star Wars episode nine suffered from too many, cooks and too many chefs in the kitchen star wars episode seven didn't there was at least a general idea we're going to launch a trilogy here and it does that episode seven does that well rogue one i thought was better (laughs) i haven't seen the han solo movie yet which apparently is good my friends have told me it's a worthwhile launch i'll get to that soon but it just it, it haunts you in a way that um there was obviously so much here that they could have grabbed on and made a very good movie series out of it, and they didn't. They lost their way. They made a good launch point, and then eight just basically said, "Fuck it, let's let's crash this thing into the ground and destroy it." And the way how, how Ryan Johnson has talked about it ever since was like, you know, it, it was almost sort of a fuck the fandom sort of thing. Like they shouldn't be directing where the universe goes. They shouldn't be criticizing us for having a different vision of the Star Wars universe. I would agree with that if there wasn't a literal fuck ton of um, expanded universe material that when Lucasfilm was bought bought by Disney, they basically said, okay, now that's on Star Wars Legends. That's not the canon universe anymore. And then when they realized, oh, crap, they didn't have good canon to keep going, they started adding that. They grabbed stories from the uh, Star Wars universe and canonized it back in because they needed characters connecting into Star Wars Rebels, Star Wars, and Star Wars The Clone Wars. They need to bring these properties back, and they need to add characters into it to make it make sense. So, you know, I can see where the properties that they seem to be making the best shots at are post-episode 3, pre-episode 4. That gap in between the end of the end of um, the Clone Wars and the start of the Galactic Civil War. The true start, like the victory of the Battle of Yavin. That seems to be where Disney is throwing their efforts and they're getting a lot of good stuff. Now they've changed 
they've added some characters in, they've made some universal changes, uh, brought some of the show, some of the legends in, back into canon, which is good by them. But it makes you think that they wanted to have a true shot at Star Wars. And I have no doubt that Disney Disney has the money to do it. Disney has the writing staff to do it. Disney could get any director they did. And they let the executive producer, Kathleen Kennedy, president of Lucasfilm, I guess LucasArts, but I think it's Lucasfilm, who used to work with Steven Spielberg. Something about her just, I don't know. It was like, let's give this a chance, and then, okay, you launch the trilogy. Good. You gave it to a guy who wanted to basically make, I don't know if it was even Ryan Johnson's um, vision to have episode eight be the way it is. That's behind paywalls and all this other stuff. Maybe in a few years we'll find out that maybe Kathleen Kennedy had way too much interference in that, and Ryan Reigns, like Ryan's just taking the fall for it because that's like that was sort of thing. It's your movie now if it fails. But then he, you know he goes out of the way to blame the fans. And he's like, oh, you aren't the real fans because you aren't willing to take it. It's like we have to have characters like this. Like no, we don't. Also, who cares? The Star Wars universe is so massive that, yeah, and this is a very moot point, I will say this, like, very, 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 like, means absolutely nothing to me about, like, you know, the rumors of LGBTQ characters and the first male-on-male kiss in, in the Star Wars universe, like, I don't care. The Star Wars galaxy, like, the Star Wars universe, um, story universe, and the galaxy is in damn right that like all of those like the lgbtq thing is definitely there's definitely happening up there who cares it's happening it's probably happening in that universe what doesn't matter is is that and it only became an issue of the story because that was the political hot button issue of our time but who cares the the issues of star wars has always been a true good versus evil and here are some of the character flaws that have to be redeemed past Throwing a, a extra, a, like, a side character in who has this is like, okay, who, who, why? Why is he there? Oh, is he just there to represent that group? Okay, I mean, there's probably 50 other rebel soldiers in the entire rebel Starfleet who probably are gay too, too if not more, but we don't need to know that, nor does it really matter. They're side characters, but you introduce a character just to have this, and, and grand... I don't even know if that's true. I don't even know if that's true because I haven't seen the movie. But there was news about it, which kind of taints the water, poisons the well before even getting there. And you just, you hate where they just go off and they say, we're going to do this. And it's like, shut up and give us a good battle story and just get it done. Get the space opera battle story done like Lucas would have wanted. Fortunately, the first three movies have a lot of politics in it, but it makes sense because the politics explains why four, five, and six are the way they are. Why the universe, why the galaxy is in that galactic civil war. What brought it to be that way? So it's an interesting dilemma to bring in. But I just, I, it's just, it was such a fan. I was such a fan of them. I've collected Star Wars stuff for years, both in Star Wars Lego, Star Wars. Um, micro machines, both the large and the smaller micro machines. Um, 
some of the Star Wars books, the technical books and guides, like this, the guides to the ships and all that. It's just, and then I come to the point where we are right now in this Star Wars universe. Episode 9, the end of this trilogy. I've yet to see it. But just from the, how I viewed 8, I just felt like, personally, I don't know where I... I, I want to end at 6 and just let my imagination run. Now, we know that from the video games, from the old Star Wars video games, Rogue Squadron and all the other ones, there's so many amazing side stories and future stories that are worth going into. But now we've got it this way, and this is the way they decided to do it. And they decided not to take from the good stories that were written in the Star Wars universe and said, throw them out and basically say, like, let's, let's do it this way. I don't know. There are parts of that I, I can agree with, like the way how the Empire fractured into this like militaristic fighting force, the First Order, and how the Galactic Republic that came back, the New Republic, basically didn't want to fight a war with them, so they funded a resistance group to fight them in the regions where the First Order is working in, but didn't really launch a full-scale war against them because of how hard it's been for the past... How many years? Like 30 years since since uh, the Battle of Yavin and, and, and probably a few years after, a few years shorter, so like probably like 25, 26 years, or 27 years since the Battle of Endor... The destruction of the second Death Star, it's like, it makes sense that people want peace and they don't want to have this war, and yet there are always warriors out there who will keep fighting. Seven started, like, there's questions to be asked, but when they did the economics of it, which, you know, we don't know the economics of the Star Wars universe, but it made a little sense. Like, it was at least like, I can see that. I can agree with that. Then you get to Seven, and it's like, so you're telling me that Snoke had this I mean, episode eight. Snoke had this massive superstar destroyer, and nobody knew about it, and nobody knew that a he had it, and that they were using it. I can get maybe not knowing the Star Killer base thing, basically the the a larger Death Star. I can get that a little bit. You know, if they built Star Killer base, like holy crap. Did the resistance really like did the resistance really not give information correctly to the republic? It seemed like there were failures on so many levels there. Something that doesn't seem like what Leia Organa would do. Something like did really the fracturing of the Star Wars um Luke, Leia and Han. Like did their fracturing really just make them all start making bad decisions? Uh, it feels like that has to be explained more. No, maybe they do. Maybe Disney did explain that in comic books and other um, media that happened in between, which I haven't read because some fans will, some fans won't. And I'm not criticizing Episode 7. I felt like Episode 7 was just... was the, I had a few problems with it in the storyline, but it was a good launching point. And then 8 was like, oh, Why? The the gambling planet was like, this is cool, but you didn't, it really was just a meeting place for this one person who then went off and did something else, and you, you I don't know. 
it's one of those times where you watch something and it's just like, that's not how I want it done. That's not the universe I want to be in. So, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll see what Disney decides to do. Maybe they throw out making movies and just go to the shows like Mandalorian. Decide that's a better way to tell the Star Wars stories. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, sucks we don't get a Boba Fett movie, but there's probably a good reason for that. Disney probably didn't feel confident of making that character after what they've been through. And I don't blame them. I don't blame them. <coughs> seven, seven kind of put us in a high. Rogue One was not was pretty good too. Just sucks that Rogue One is essentially d- the video game Dark Empire told a different way. And you could see that there were a ton of re-edits just from the ads and stuff like that of Rogue One to make it work. So when you start seeing that level of interference by Disney, Disney's corporate, and then they let seven, 8 be the way it is, you wonder if there's a power struggle there. But let's stop talking about that. Cats. You see the ads for that. It's like, that's uncanny valley as hell. Why? Why? Why did Universal do it? And apparently they're going to send updated graphics on the show to theaters next week or so to make them look even better. <clears throat> Who greenlit that project? That's what I'd like to know. Who greenlit it? Just, it sounds stupid. Who would greenlight that? And better all... Who would put it up against Star Wars? The only reason you'd put a movie like that against Star Wars is either A, you're overconfident going to draw people away from Star Wars, highly unlikely, or B, you know it's going to fail, and you want it to fail and blame Star Wars for the reason it failed. Because if it was launched on a weekend where there was no movie that could, it can, it, uh, could, com- that could compete against Cats and it failed on its own, it would look worse for Universal. Now Universal is not saying, we lost to Star Wars. The good people, the good investors will say, you challenged Star Wars knowing you'd lose to it. I don't know. Why would they do that? Why would they do that? And especially the thing, like, the cat's a very, very, very simple story. Like, it's almost a poem or something like that. Not blaming them, but it just doesn't seem like the movie it should be. It should have been made a movie. But, okay. Somebody threw money on it, and I hope... yeah, I wish they weren't going to lose money on it, but they probably are. Especially with all those CG effects they had to pay for. Speaking of CG effects, um, sucks that the guy, the CG studio, the CGI studio that fixed Sonic the Hedgehog and did a few other characters and a few other jobs that they fixed on and other work got closed in Canada. Just told all the employees like their multiple locations were closing down and the owners are now starting a new studio up again to cut costs it just sounds terrible especially just like those level of 3d artists that get that high and apparently they were working like 10 12 hour days they could go home at, after eight hours but they would have been like it didn't look good on the team and it looked bad on reports it's like that's I'm fearing that the, the desire for entertainment like this is having, as Jim Sterling talks about, one of the few things I absolutely, a few, one of the few things I do not disagree with him on, 
how do I put that? There's only a few things I do disagree with him on, Jim Sterling, and most of it's politically related. But when it comes to the businesses of, st- of video game studios, he talks about crunch time and how this is happening. And now we're seeing this extend even more into non-video game visual media, such as TV shows and movies. And you're, you're watching these studios just burn out and them the studios treat their company their employees like crap for this and then they just close because they're not making enough money so they close the studio down fire everybody start a new studio up under a different name with the profits they save from the last one and keep the salaries lower and keep doing it and it's like this isn't going to play out for as long as it can be this is going to fail you don't reward somebody for by doing a good job by firing them or putting them in that position these are organizations that work, these guys work their butts off to make the best CG they can. Because probably the original run was farmed out to a group that shouldn't have been doing it. And these guys get hired in to save a project. And that's the thanks they get. Is, you're done. Bye. You guys worked on Detective Pikachu and made the Pikachu and the Pokemon seem all realistic. You're done. You're done. Also, you saved Sonic that drug. You're done. We don't want you. You know, we we didn't make enough money this year, so we're closing this year's down. We made money. We just didn't make enough for the profit fit to make the investors happy. So we're going to close the studio down, lay you all off, like, the in the month of December before Christmas, not give you any bonuses, and this is after you worked three or four months, maybe even more straight of 10 to 15, 10-hour 10 to 12-hour days. With like, you know, one day off on the weekend, coming in, in on your Saturday or your Sunday. Or, and if you didn't, you're getting rid of for not doing enough and making the team bit left behind and peer pressure to keep working. It's like, God, it's just savage. Savage and stupid. <sighs> and it's partly us, the the customer, who's who's buying these TV shows and these games and stuff like that. And it's forcing this, we need to have the best right now. And, uh, you know, if we get promised the best, we, des- we as customers demand the best. And if they can't deliver, we get pissed, and then, it's, then, we, then they force it on. I would rather, as, as, um, multiple, as Miyamoto from Nintendo said, I would rather the, it be delayed and be great than, than be crappy on initial release than be rushed. A rushed game is crappy. A delayed game can be eventually could be great. I think these are these studios got to do it. And I understand you're dealing with millions of dollars here of extended production that you may not make back. But some studio head and some director and some producing team has signed off on this project. And if they're freaking out over how much money they lost because they're spending way too much, it's time for them to start tightening their own belts and figuring it all out how to make this work. The move and going public is only so big. Now, I get that they also are tr- are getting into China, which apparently Star Wars is not doing that great in right now. Don't know if that's still stat- uh, still true. But it just it seems terrible. They're going to peak at a point. Now, technology is going to speed up and make these better, but there's only so far you can go on, on AI. The human touch will always be having a little bit of a restriction. But it just it's scary. It's scary to be for people in that field just to know, like, you do this amazing work and the audiences love it, and you, you're, the credits your studio gets, and then you're gone because some investor was mad that 
they had to pay overtime for you to get that job out when it was farmed out incorrectly in the first place. Or maybe it was farmed out correctly and the direction was so bad that they had basically had to pull the project. Just just sounds sounds crazy. Which makes me wonder about the, the Sonic the Hedgehog one. Considering that the studio that did Detective Pikachu, the 3D animation guys who did Detective Pikachu, got the Pokemon so right so quickly, how did they fuck up Sonic the Hedgehog? Or was Paramount just not giving a shit and had their own design and threw it on them? And they were like, well, fuck, we have to do this fucking design because Paramount paying the damn bills this year. And then when they released it, they're all like, oh, shit, I hope my name is not attached to this project. And then everyone blows up and sees it. And then, they're, and then Paramount says, we're delaying the movie for four, for four months to fix it. They're like, oh, to four months. Four months only? Are we going to get overtime? Like, are we, like what are we going to get out of this to extend it? And it's just, and this is the thanks they get. Hey, you did this amazing work. You made two great movies this year. You saved one after we gave you terrible direction. And we told the director not to actually fix it. Now we have to fix it. Oh, and here's your uh, pink slip. Uh, you're laid off right before Christmas. Oh, and because we're shutting the, shuttering the company, we don't have to give you two weeks. Two weeks severance pay. Bye. Now, the severance pay thing. I don't know if they got it or not. That wasn't in the news article I read about it. I would hope they would, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if these companies are shuttering their stuff if they're saying they're not going to or they're getting into legal things to protect them from doing it. It just, it just sounds terrible. If you're going to shutter a studio, shutter it in fucking February. Give them the Christmas break off and give them a bonus. And when they come back, give them a full month to say, we're going to be shutting down in a month. You guys can work until shutdown. We're paying you until shutdown, plus two weeks, as we have to, as we should do, because we're good bosses. Just sounds terrible. Just bad. And to end my little talk today, I discovered yes yesterday when making uh, an Epic Game Store account that somebody was already had an account for that email address. For my email address, an account already existed. So I logged on. And I'm like, shit. There's this guy who says he's in the Philippines with his connected Facebook account. Like, I have no fucking idea who this is. How do they get my email? Like, I wonder what other social media or systems have my email attached to it. So I decided to try Facebook because Facebook would be the largest one, wouldn't it? And sure enough, somebody had my Facebook account. I can't believe that. Like, I, I honestly can't believe that. Uh, I, I just couldn't couldn't believe it for a second. So, <laughs> we'll see. And, but, you know, also, also um, you know, Facebook made an account, too. I guess I said that. What I'm more shocked about is that these two accounts were made. Uh, as far as I know... Like, I know the Facebook account had nothing done to it besides from a name being made for it. And it never got logged in until I discovered and logged in and did the uh, recover password option that sent to my email address. I'm like, why was I never sent an original authentication? Now, granted, this... Well, no, because it says it wasn't created until October 2018. 
So somebody made the address back then and never logged in. Why? Why would you do that? Now, with the Epic Game Store, there's indication that no games were ever made. And the Epic guys got back to me and said, like, we can either deactivate the account and block your email from being used, or we can or we can just, you know, shut it down and, and put a warning that if somebody tries to do it, we send it to you. I'm like, I don't know which which way I'm going to go with. Now, I did launch an Epic Game Store account with my other email address. Kind of a little annoying. Um, but <coughs> that does happen. Thank God it's not on Steam. That would piss me off more. Um, but I'm kind of I'm kind of shocked that I was never sent any notification from either Facebook or Epic Games about a the, an email being made with an account being made with that email address. But do I blame them? No. Maybe it was my spam that caught it. But at the same time, I'm thinking. If the account is made and then never logged in, although the Epic account was merged to a a uh, Facebook account, which was weird, so it was logged in, it makes me think that what happened is that they made it using Facebook first and then they put a Gmail account on afterwards, which is why I was never notified. I, I don't know. Not going to blame the Epic guys for it. Not going to blame Facebook for it. They probably are dealing with shit like that all the time by people making unauthorized accounts all the time. So, yeah, we'll we'll see. I'll make my decision on it. I, my other Epic Game Store account is already running, so I'm happy about that. Haven't got any games, but Borderlands Three is one of them I'll be getting, and I might get Outer Worlds for PC. Thinking about it, but maybe not. We'll see. But um, you know, it's it's interesting that happens. Now I know my email, like the address itself, has been released to the public because of various hacks that have happened to various companies. I'm using LastPass that changes my passwords for that, so I'm not concerned that it will ever be grabbed again. But, you know, it is weird that people do that. It's odd. It, it's, just, it's just odd. That's all I can say. But besides from that, eh. It, it, I guess it's like something that's just going to happen. And when, when, as the world extends and, well, expands and more, um, more, uh, what's it, what, what I got, more digital our space gets and less hidden this information is. But as, as far as I can tell, um, you know, not blaming Facebook, um, not blaming Epic for that. I've, I've, there's probably ways that some people would. They're just as much of a victim of this as we are, the individual, because it's just it's just not the way they don't want that happening. They never want that happening. So Yeah. Just saying check check out, uh check your emails to make sure it's not being used somewhere it's not supposed to be. And it's kinda hard to do that. That's one thing I discovered. It's like, do you just go to websites and start typing your email in, seeing if there's an account on it, like do the forget password thing? That's just yeah. I guess you can, but it seems a little odd. Personally, that seems odd and maybe dangerous if somebody's sniffing you for it. Somebody's hacked into your internet or your provider and is try or you know they got a keylogger or something like that trying to crack something. But I guess that's just you know things like that happen in this world, and there's not too much you can really do about it except be ready for it when it does happen. 
Thank goodness there was no payment information on either of these accounts to charge money to, and I very strictly watch my credit cards, so I know what's going on most of the time with them. But I guess stuff like that does happen, and you just got to roll with it. Uh, fix it the best way you can and roll on. So I guess at the end of that, really, that's kind of my end. Like my rant on Star Wars took up most of the episode. Um, but yeah, I guess that's that's the end of this episode. Uh, gingerbread castles in the desert. Can't really complain too much about that. I mean, gingerbread castles are great. and Gingerbread men are tasty. Until they become sentient, and that's like, oh, don't don't want to eat anything of you. Like you can think, you can think through complex formulaic problems, and you can speak to me directly in languages I can understand. (laughs) Maybe not. Maybe not. Well, that's all dreaming for us. Let's uh, let's end this episode. Gingerbread castles in the desert. Season. to episode 17, December 21st, 2019. Christmas is just around the corner. Hopefully you have all your Christmas shopping done. I know mine has been completed. <coughs> and it's almost the end of the decade, said that last episode. Don't know if I said the episode before that. But, yeah, I think uh, December, I think uh, Thursday, uh, you know, maybe Boxing Day in Canada or... or um, or New Year's Eve, I'll go, uh, I'll make an episode about uh, looking back, do episode 18 of the year, doing a look back. Or maybe I'll do it this uh, Saturday, this upcoming Saturday, the Saturday immediate after, and then run a New Year's Eve, New Year's Day episode, just talking about some things. I'll make maybe some interesting stuff that happened in the past decade, from 2010 to 2019, what was interesting, what made the decade interesting. We'll see. I mean, we got Marvel made most of the decade interesting, but I guess we'll talk back in that very soon. Thank you all for listening, and tune in next time to Stars from the Crisper Drawer. Thank you. Bye.